but he actually surprised me because he said, "Hey, man, I, you know, I love you, but I just need you to know that sometimes I find that you just want to be right all the time. That you're a bit arrogant, and it really stung." Doesn't she know that's just boys being boys? It's not man, but I have a problem with that frame, and I don't accept it. You guys are off the hook. Come on, you pansy! Looks like we got ourselves a ladies' man. I'm a baby. I'm a man. Redefining what we come to know as manhood. My name is Will Small. I've been handed stories throughout my life of what a man should be, how they should act, what they aren't supposed to say or do. And I wonder, what stories are we currently passing on to our young boys and men? Are we satisfied with them? This show is not a set of answers. Rather, it's a conversation with those who want to ask better questions. Live a better story. If that's you, you're in the right place. This is the Mankind Podcast. To me, the question about what it means to be a man is interesting, but I'm probably more interested in what it means to just be healthy, to be self-aware and growing mentally, physically and emotionally. That seems less about gender and more just about how to take care of yourself. But in many ways, our ideas about gender carry with them certain expectations. And for a lot of guys, there's this expectation around not being too emotional or sharing deeply about your feelings and it can lead to a lot of problems so this episode i thought i'd do something a little different i thought i'd open up one part of my life that has helped me personally to be more healthy and invite you in i often feel like my life is a pretty complex juggling act maybe you can relate between my family responsibilities and my work and leading a pretty full life i know what it's like to feel overwhelmed carry around some weight. One of the things I've found really helpful in recent years is talking to a counsellor who isn't really concerned about my performance in different areas of life, but is really just interested in helping me become more healthy. I don't think there should be any stigma about this. I've felt the benefits so much I would recommend it to anyone. So I asked my counsellor, Barney Weir, if he would open up some space to have a conversation about health and manhood and share some of his professional perspectives on these things. Trust me, he is a goldmine. So if you've never done anything like this before, maybe this is a safe way to sit in the room with us, so to speak, and hear some thoughts about ways men can become more emotionally healthy. Barney, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to chat with me this morning. It's a pleasure, mate. We've been looking forward to catching up with you. Uh, let me give you a little bit of backstory. So basically, this podcast is um, a series of conversations I've been having with different men about you know ideas of masculinity and manhood and mm. uh, what that means in the 21st century. And for me, it's particularly motivated probably by being a father of two sons. Mm. And I always envisaged myself as a father of daughters. I don't know oh, why. It's right. just before I was a dad, I always thought that I'd have daughters. And I had the stereotypical kind of fear associated with that, that if I had a daughter, I would need to protect her from the world and keep her safe. Mm, yep. It's only in the last 12 months or so that I've started to kind of flip that thought around in my head and I've thought, why have I never felt afraid that my sons would be part of what makes the world unsafe mm. for girls and women or to feel, you know, to feel unsafe? Sure. And um, it's really confronted me when I've thought about that and it's made me think really hard about what kind of stories and narratives am I passing on to my own sons? Mm. And what, how big is the definition of man 
that they are set up to enter and to become or how narrow is it? And um, so I've been having these conversations with a range of really different men trying mm-hmm. to kind of glean the wisdom and gold in them. And this episode is a little bit different because seeing you, uh, I guess for what you might call professional supervision or counselling or a bit of a mix of a few things, but something I do regularly is, is catch up with you and just check in. Mm. And for me, that really helps with my emotional regulation and my self-awareness and, and reflecting on my life and I think becoming more healthy. Mm-hmm. So I thought that I would bring the listeners of this show into this space, which helps me personally. Uh, but also I just thought you might have some really interesting thoughts on this stuff as someone who's interested in the health and development of people. Mm, yeah. When you were a boy, what kind of stories or definitions were you handed of what it means to be a man? What did that mean to you as a kid? Mm, interesting question. You know, just and just quickly, I just I'm just interested in what you said initially there about you had boys and you thought you would have girls. Well, I had a girl first, who's now 13. And I remember going, yeah, this is okay. I've got this parenting thing sorted. But then when my son came along, I was like, oh, man, I don't know what it's like to be a man. Right. I don't know how to do this. I felt more, more pressure with that, which is interesting. But look, growing up, you know, I grew up in a world, I guess I, I was born in 74. And uh, in that time, and I know that's a little bit bef- before your time, Will, but um, in, in those years, they were kind of what we call the 80s. They were kind of big years. Everything was big. Everything was... Um, impressive you know there was this message in society you can have you can have it all almost mm. if you just work hard enough um you know and i remember very clearly and, and older listeners will remember there was a gillette shaving commercial you know, shaving gel or whatever and the, and basically the commercial was this guy who was like a role model would use gillette gear to shave and this guy was like a an astronaut and his wife looked like you know miss world and he had you know, he was probably a brain surgeon as well and he probably played soccer for Australia. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's this kind of ridiculous kind of, you know, this is the perfect man, the man who has it all kind of thing. And I remember watching this and it, and it really did really did shape me at the time and I'm embarrassed to say, but I, I think I got away, I came away from that and, and, and this general kind of um, message in society of, you know, some people win, some people lose, you've got to, you've got to try and win. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to kind of, uh, achieve a lot and be kind of a bit of a perfectionist. You know, I, mm. I went looking for Miss World. I went looking for career satisfaction. I went looking for um, pushing myself really hard to try and achieve what is really, you know, looking back now is is a bit laughable. But I, mm. I, I really put myself under that pressure. Yeah. So, yeah. so a real man, I guess, in answer to your question, is someone who, who wins at life. You know, who doesn't drop the ball. Who is doesn't show any vulnerability, has, has his, his past, present and his future all stitched up uh, at any given time. So that was the version of manhood that you were trying to become. You were trying to win. You were trying to sort of emulate that at some level, internalise yeah. that message. Yeah. Did that break down along the way or did things happen that uh, changed your understanding of a man? And I mean, sitting in the chair right now, yep. how different is your idea of, of manhood and what that means? For sure, and look, that it's a little bit of a, I guess, a boyish understanding that I that I had, and and it did have to shift, and and I still don't fully understand why I had that because I mean my parents never emulated that kind of model or that value, but I think it was just the cultural norms at the time, but yeah, I guess 
in answer to that, I, I had set myself up to try and win. You know, I'd pushed myself really hard in my study and my career. I'd put a lot of pressure on the people around me to try and help me achieve my goals. And I, I was very goal-driven. Um, and probably it wasn't until I was in maybe my late 20s where things started to, to shift, where I just went, man, I'm increasingly exhausted and I'm a bit a little bit depressed and a bit anxious. And then, you know, I had I had some things start to to go wrong. I I failed some university assessments. You know, I I made some economic choices which didn't end up very well and and I kinda it made me really confront myself and some of the values that I was holding and go, man, this this kind of template of life I've been carrying doesn't doesn't work anymore as a man. And what does it mean if I've always thought that as a man, if you're not perfect and achieving, then you're a failure. Suddenly I was that guy and I had to face the pain of that and recalibrate and really look at my values very carefully. Yeah. And uh, what, did that, what did that lead you into? Yeah, well, look, it's, it's still an unfolding process, to be honest, you know, now in my mid-40s. But I really it led me into going, well, if this isn't as important as I thought it was, if this sense of achievement and you know, having it all together, being feeling secure. Uh, it led me into a period of vulnerability where I kind of went, okay, well, I'm, I'm kind of back at the bottom here of myself a little bit in my late 20s. What am I going to do with that? And what it led me into was going, well, I'm going to actually try and develop much more of a, an awareness of my internal processes, of my emotional being, um, can try and connect better in my relationships and put a higher value on relationships than you know, than stuff or than, than power, than mm-hmm. achievement. Um, and it was quite quite confronting. And the other thing that really happened around that time was I, or well, soon after that time was I became a dad. And uh, I, I credit that and, and also the grace of my wife with possibly leading me into the biggest change of my life, uh, which is really where I stopped being about, hopefully stopped being about myself and about my own story and being about other people mm. and really serving others and, and contributing my energies to a cause greater than myself. And that was really the big shift for me. And, yeah, some days I still get that completely wrong, but that's that's kind of the goal for me now. Yeah. It's a great thought, the idea that who we are is actually can be most found when we kind of shift ourselves outwards and think about who we are in relation to the kind of impact we have on the people around us. And mm. if you could go back and have a conversation with your 18-year-old self over a coffee or a beer or your beverage of choice, um, <laughs> what would you say to that version of Barney? What kind of advice do you think you'd give him? Uh, yeah, look, a couple of things. I think firstly I would say to myself, Barney, life is not kind of a linear trajectory from birth to perfection. And, and you know, that, that, was the, that was the initial kind of template that I had and it was very grandiose and it was very – I was setting myself up for failure. Mm-hmm. Now I would say to that guy, Barney, you know, life is a, a continual process of order. So life is kind of stable. And then it moves into disorder. And so pain comes or challenges come. And then it goes around to reorder where we try and recalibrate and make sense of it. And really for me, I, you know, I had to take that pressure off myself of trying to get to the top. And so now I, I would say to that young guy, hey, Barney, life goes in a bit of a circle mm-hmm. And it's just continuing circles, order, disorder, reorder. Uh, and so I would, I would say, hey, young Barney, take that pressure off yourself, mate, and uh, embrace your limits, embrace your failures. Don't be scared of them. Don't run away from them. Look at them. Mm. Learn, learn from them. 
That's really good. I, I actually think that's probably a really helpful thought. I actually find that if, if we could get our heads around the idea that disorder is an essential path in order to reordering and entering the new, bigger, better thing, mm. then maybe when we feel most uncomfortable or challenged, that's actually maybe an opportunity to lean into that yeah. rather than to try yeah. and kind of cling to the past. Yeah, and it's so countercultural and it, and it requires a bit of a destruction of our own ego and it requires a bit of vulnerability and, and unknown. And I think us, us guys tend to hate that. We want to fix stuff. We want to have, have control. Uh, we want to make sense of stuff. And they're, mm. they're all that's kind of the best thing about us, but it can be the worst thing about us if we're, if we're in some disorder. Yeah, for sure. I wonder if you've observed any kind of common issues or themes that come up in uh, you know, high number of men that you end up sitting with. Um, do you think there are particular kind of cultural narratives or frequent issues that you're seeing come up in, in men wanting to uh, work on certain areas of their life? Yeah, that's a big question. So I, you know, I deal with a lot of men and I also work with a lot of couples in relationship. And I just observe, you know, at my age at 45, I've got guys younger than me, I notice, that are probably better at being themselves and being more emotionally aware and being better at relationships mm-hmm. uh, than people of my age. And that, that says to me that society has shifted a bit. But I'm just noticing this overall thing where, where guys my age and above largely haven't got the software that the younger guys have have about being able to emotionally connect to the same degree, if that makes sense. And it's almost like we need to learn that software. And I needed to learn mm. that through some pain, through some, you know, through the love of my wife, through friendships, being, you know, where people were honest with me and said, hey, Bunny, you're, you can be a bit of a jerk sometimes, <laughs> or what, you know, whatever they had to say. Um, and so I, I think that's a very common kind of thing where, where guys need to, almost help each other to achieve full manhood. And I, and f- I guess I'm defining that as being fully emotionally aware and able to mm. connect, connect in relationships with others. You know, there's some, I read some interesting research the other day that said that, you know, in the 1950s, um, and this is just talking about heterosexual marriage relationships, and I'm, and I'm um, acknowledging that that's only a small part of all relationships, but in those relationships, you know, women when I was surveyed in the, in the 1950s, you know, what, what, do you, what do you want in a man? Who's a, who's a real man? What, what do you look for in a marriage partner? And number one on their, on their criteria was he has to have a, a job and be economically secure. And emotional intimacy with a man was like number five. It was, it was way down the list. Mm-hmm. Now in 2019, same survey, different cultural mores. Number one, Emotional intimacy. So the ball game has changed for us guys, but we haven't necessarily seen it. We haven't we haven't been across the change. So now there's all this this demand coming from society and relationships are you know the, the statistics aren't very good on relational kind of successes. There's all this demand coming for us guys to to have our emotional worlds together. We're still got to provide. We're still got to do all the stuff, but somehow we have to accommodate um, a different view of society and life and the world. And so we're under this increasing kind of uh, pressure to get that stuff kind of together. And consistently in my office in counselling, I have these guys come in who are a bit older, as I was talking about, going, and their wives are going, hey, the world's changed. I need more emotional awareness from you. And, and the guys are going, well, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And, you know, sometimes as guys we get a bit frustrated or a bit defensive or closed down. 
And then the younger guys are coming in and they're, they're usually a little bit more emotionally aware and a little bit more able to connect, not always. Um, but then they've got kind of maybe the flip side of that, which is part of what we have to – it's a bit of a delicate balance as men is we have to kind of be emotionally aware now, but we have to be strong as well and also get things done and it's this almost impossible ideal. And so, um, so a lot of me working with guys is, is trying to help everyone across the whole lifespan kind of work out their boundaries, you know, what's, what's possible, what's not, how much can I achieve what I need to achieve, how far can I follow my dreams – but also how can I function well in relationship and be emotionally open and aware um, and take the time and energy required to do that. And uh, it can be a bit overwhelming at times. Yeah, I just hear a lot of that and I think it seems like the, the expectations that we place on both men and women are probably at an all-time high. Oh, it's crazy. In yeah. terms of, you know, I mean, for women there's kind of pressure um, to be to be winning in their careers and to be to yeah. be working and to be successful and, and, and to be a great mom and to hold, well, hold it exactly. all together yeah. to still to, to add all of that in without you know sacrificing some of the traditional kind of um, mm. roles that women played in society and I have to say like I'm a, a huge advocate for um, you know women f- you know filling more space on microphones and on stages and in yeah. you know leadership roles and yep. everything like that but I see the the pressure that is added without necessarily other things being removed. Yeah. And then yeah. it's like you're saying it's kind of the same for, for men in terms of, yeah, keep um, being strong and being a pillar of masculinity, but be emotionally vulnerable and open up about your feelings. And um, <laughs> sort yeah. of like where everyone, um, you know, we're kind of increasing the scope of responsibility without maybe increasing the kind of grace or gentleness yeah, that we absolutely. have with each other as we go through a time of transition. Yep. Um, and, you know, you, you obviously just spoke then about that. Um, obviously, the value on men being emotionally self-aware and open has increased. Mm. Um, but there's still probably this significant stereotype. And maybe there is kind of a generational divide around it. Um, but uh, around men not being good at that, you know, opening up emotionally is not something that typically men um, in a general sense are known for. Mm. Um, you're talking about the importance of men... Um, being relationally connected mm. and yet that's not really possible without emotional investment and vulnerability. Yes. Um, so obviously there's a version of manhood that is stripped back of emotion and, and where there's sort of a, you know, re- keep those at bay, keep them hidden. Mm. But the cost of that is relational, um, you know, the, the possibility of what our relationships can be. Yes, um, yes. So there's, a, yeah, so there's yeah. a huge impact in being emotionally shut down and restricted. Yeah, um, yeah. But then there's also in the past been this pressure on men to be emotionally restricted. So that's all, that's pretty mm. tangled. Mm. Um, do you kind of, have you observed things that help men um, to become more emotionally comfortable, to become more emotionally vulnerable? It seems like that is uh, an important part of the equation here. Mm. but there are probably some significant blockers to that. What do you think blocks that? And what do you think helps kind of helps men become more emotionally comfortable and open? Yeah. Look, I think that that ability to be emotionally open and aware and, and to connect with others is really, really key. And it, and it does become blocked. And I think I, like I said before, it's, it's almost like we need that software and we, it's not, it's not handed to us for many of us. We have to go and find it. And I think the thing, so, you know, blocking that I think is, you know, the, the things that all us guys are a bit guilty of sometimes, which is working too hard 
and putting too too high a value on what we do rather than on the kind of the relational aspects of our life. And so, you know, classically, I'll see a lot of guys uh, come in who are feeling a bit depressed. And when I kind of poke around in their life a bit, there's there's an, there's a bit of a common theme, not for all, but uh, where they're pretty socially isolated or socially disconnected. Now, they may have guys that they work with uh, and they may have guys that they even do leisure activity with, but unless they're actually authentically opening up and being real about the challenges and the struggles, they're kind of stealing it all away and filing it inside and, and, and keeping a, a facade up. And um, that's a bit of a recipe for, for feeling quite disconnected, quite out of community, uh, quite inauthentic, um, whilst trying to be as brave as they are, it's it really does come at a bit of a cost to them. And so, you know, what's the antidote to that? Well, really, I think one of the one of the key things really is to for men to, and I include myself in this, in, increase the quality of the relationships in their in their life. You know, there's some interesting research done, a fascinating study. It's called the Harvard study. You can look it up online. Uh, and basically they interviewed the same men every seven years over, a over I think it was about 100 years from the late 1800s to the late 1900s. And um, they, asked, they interviewed them around all kinds of areas of life. You know, how much do you earn? What, what are your values? They measured parts of their anatomy. They looked at all the kind of elements of, of who they were as men. And it was a very, this is obviously a very patriarchal study and it reflects the time, but it's helpful for us because we're talking about men. Uh, and what, what they were asking them really was what, what makes us happy as men? You know, when we boil down all the factors of our lives, what's, what's the things that contribute most to happiness? And uh, anyway, the, the results of this study came out, I think it was in 2015, but, you know, amazing 100 years of research uh, without, without unanimously, basically, all what the study showed was that the one thing that contributes to men's satisfaction and happiness in life is the quality or the warmth of the relationships in their life. Mm. Income was not correlated, you know, um, political persuasion wasn't correlated, how tall or short you were wasn't correlated, you know, any of those things. It was the quality of the warmth of the relationships that really make the difference. And so for me, as a counsellor, it's about really trying to help men uh, unblock themselves a bit from some of those more negative patterns that we've talked about or some of those stereotypical views of masculinity which have you know, which we can't throw out, but they've they've only provided half the, the software mm. and helped them engage that other half of the software so they can connect better and uh, have a, a more satisfying life. Mm. Yeah, I think it's uh, helpful just to remember that um, the question is not whether or not men are emotional. Being human mm. involves um, being an emotional being. That's just a part of yeah, for uh, sure. what it for means sure. to be a person. Um, so the question is not whether or not we have them, but... Do we have we learned how to how to use them well? Have mm. we learned how to listen to them and and how to um, you know not be dictated by them, but to be in conversation with them? Yeah, and, and be authentic and lean in, yeah. and really be open about the struggles. And and I think this is key with men, is that really having a community of men around you who are honest with you and who can actually tell you, give you some honest feedback about yourself, as uncomfortable as that can be, is is a really important way that us as men can really help each other and yeah. serve each other yeah so if you were to describe kind of a, uh, a prototype of an emotionally healthy man um, what would be some of the things they would do and what would be some of maybe the things they have in place in their life um, 
how does somebody become that basically? Mm. I think um, it's about as much as anything developing a, a sense of your inner world. So as men, you know, we have our outer world, which is our jobs and our functioning and all that stuff. But even just taking a little bit of time each day to start to, and I would use the word reflect, which I think is important, on what's happening internally with you. You know, so one of the things I find it helpful to do at the end of each night as I lie in bed is to kind of go over some of the key things in my day, the key interactions, the key um, elements or things I had to do, and just notice within myself, if I can, what the feelings were that I felt and try and make sense of those. Oh, I felt a bit frustrated at John when he said this, or, I f- or my, you know, my wife said that, and I, I really def- reacted angrily about that, but maybe she had the point there. She wouldn't just, you know, she's not stupid, she wouldn't just say that. Maybe I need to think about that. So it's firstly about being reflective. I think being emotionally intelligent or aware is about being able to reflect on yourself and on others. Um, I think someone who's emotionally you know, aware is someone who can hold the good and the, the bad, you know, to kind of go, some stuff's good in life, some stuff's not easy at the moment, but I don't have to necessarily resolve that. I'll do everything I can, but I have to resolve that, that tension. A picture of someone who's emotionally aware is someone who can sort of hold themselves well in relationships and be present and not be, um, you know, overly anxious or stressed or busy or hurried or rushed, but actually just be you know, strongly connecting with the person that they're, that they're kind of with. Mm. Mm. Um, if somebody's listening to this and that that is something they desire to be more um, emotionally self-aware and reflective and, and even to open up with other guys, um, mm. you know, um, mm. to, you know, maybe crave that space where they could tell another friend or another mate, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm noticing in myself. I don't like the way that I... Um, I'm getting angry at this person or that I can mm. see myself flaring up in these moments. Mm. If someone's listening and they're thinking that, but they just have no idea how to begin to make that transition. That's not how they've lived. They haven't had any kind of uh, ongoing uh, awareness of the need for reflection or mm. things like that. What, what are some kind of baby steps that can help people kind of build? You know, you're not going to go from being totally um, uh, emotionally reserved Mm. to suddenly sitting around a campfire and having a D&M for hours mm. with mm. all your all your mates yep. who have the same kind of culture of reservation. Yeah, but, but what, how do you move Yeah, what are it? some small steps that we can take? Well, I can tell you what I did. You know, when I was 25, I had one of my mates who was one of my best mates. I, I rang him and I said, hey, man, I'd love to join you in this thing he was doing. And and uh, and I assumed he'd say, hey, Barney, you man, that'd be awesome, man. You're a great mate and, you know, you're just a solid dude and, you know, we, we want you as part of it. But but he actually surprised me because he said, hey, man, I you know, I love you, but I I just need you to know that, yeah, you're welcome to come, but I, I want you to think about the fact that sometimes I find that you just want to be right all the time, that you're a bit arrogant, that you're a bit, you know, a bit this and a bit that. And it really stung, you know, it really, really hurt me and I had a choice in that moment. You know, I could have run away and never talked to him again or I could have gone around to his house and punched him in the head. But I didn't do either of those things. I, I joined him in relationship even though I knew and I felt very humbled and quite shamed and embarrassed. But over time I kind of realised that he was right, that I had some stuff that I needed to, to look at. And so I, th- I think there's a, there was a real power in that. I, I would say that that's probably one of the 
key defining moments in my life at actually starting me on a process of as hard as it was mm. of examining myself and going some of the assumptions I've made about life and myself just aren't on a very solid foundation and I need to I need to rebuild. So I'd be encouraging any anyone really to think about who are the people in their life who they trust enough that they could get feedback from um, that wouldn't have the agenda of trying to compete with them or trying to, you know, bring them down or anything like that. But but people who love you, who, who have your best interests at heart, who would be prepared to be honest about how you make them feel in relationship. I think that's a good place to start, to ask those questions. And, you know, when, I, when that happened to me, I had to check out, you know, I was in so much pain, you know, but I had to check out that feeling. So I went to a... You know, I asked my girlfriend at the time, what's, what's, my experience, what's your experience of me? Is this, you know, and then I was able to get some more feedback from that. Then I asked a couple of other key friends, you know, what's, you know, I've been told this. And it's hard, but I think there might be something in it. Can you, mm. help, can you help me understand? Being curious about yourself is a really key way. And, and like I was talking about earlier, you know, really it's the relationships that help us get the best insight into ourselves. You know, seeing a counsellor or a therapist can be very helpful as well to kind of work through to some deeper levels but really i think good friendship has a lot a lot to do with it mm. good relationship and i think it's it's a sign that your friend was willing to say something honest to you mm. that was difficult for you to hear yeah it's a sign of real friendship it is and it uh is. really asking who do i have that uh is interested in my well-being and cares about me yeah. but is also willing to be to be real and yeah. doesn't just want to um you know, stroke my ego. Mm. Um, and, and what I really like about what you just shared was that it's, it's where the sting is, where the pain is, where the discomfort is. Mm. That's not the moment to be hopeless and in despair. Mm. That can be the moment of, um, you know, real growth yeah, and, and, yeah. and entering into something better and deeper, but nothing good comes easy, does it? It doesn't. And, and yeah, for me, it, it really brings a sense of hope really because we're, where people are honest with you and where there's a, there's a potential for change, what he was really saying to me, if I, look, if I put my head aside and I look under all that, I go, what he was really saying was, Barney, I actually want something better with you. Mm. I want a better relationship with you. I want more of you. I want more emotional intimacy and less, less opinion and less arrogance and less pride. Yeah. I want something a bit more that I can connect with. And that, that's hopeful. Yeah. And I can personally, you know, attest to the power of um, – as someone who does have a regular practice of seeing someone like you and engaging in counselling, mm. um, that's not always easy. That takes me to some of my deepest uh, places of discomfort. Yeah, it's brave work. And, well. and yeah. it is difficult, but at the same time, um, I wouldn't stop doing it now because I can see uh, over time how actually going to those deeper, more difficult places allows me to go to the more open and free spaces yeah, um, yeah so what I you do on the inside has an effect on the outside absolutely mm. absolutely so you know just to s smash any stigma around being open with somebody mm. um the deeper you go the higher you can go you know mm. i just think that the more shallow you live your life uh the more shallow it's going to be on the top end as well yeah so. and, and it's my absolute conviction that if if people do this work of being more emotionally aware all of their relationships will improve. I don't mean they'll be perfect or they'll be easy all the time, mm. but I mean the level of connection, the level of warmth, the level of satisfaction, as we talked about, you know, in friendship, in, in marriage, in partnership, in, you know, in kind of the generations of the family, all that stuff changes. Yeah, absolutely.
Well, thank you so much for sharing some of your, your wisdom and your insight and your personal story of how you've been through processes of growth that came through discomfort. Um, mm. Do you have a final kind of single sentence of advice or a, a direction to point people in if they're listening to this and they want to um, take a next step and, and continue to explore, you know, a more positive version of manhood? Yeah, I, th- I think to sum up what I've been saying, it would probably just be your relationships really matter. You need some and you need good ones um, because there's an old proverb that says, you know, iron sharp, sharpens iron and it's kind of like the people we hang around with are the, are the people ultimately we, we become like and we mirror. And so I'd be encouraging everyone to, to lean into their relationships. Do a relationship stock take. Awesome. Thank you so much, Barney. This podcast has been proudly brought to you by the Central Coast Council and developed by Lead by Story. Help us grow the conversation by giving it a positive rating and review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Music for this show has been created by Josh Corkill and editing was done by Sienna Aloisio. I've been your host, Will Small. Catch you next time on Mankind.